Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge On Simmons. Welcome into episode 145. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at by CA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. This is weird, Christian, because like sometimes we'll get on here and we'll be like, oh man, it feels like a long time since we did the last podcast. It doesn't feel like that. And it's be- part of it is because I saw you in person on Friday for the first time in a few months and Saturday, actually. Bailey and I went to the, uh, I think we said in the last podcast, we went to the Kingdoms yeah. uh, event in Tampa, which was kind of fun. And that was the first time I'd seen you since like March. March Madness. Yeah. We talked about this like before, like I have no re- like understanding of when I've seen Bailey in person because we do a podcast once a week and we also text all the time. So like when you said it'd been three months, I was like, you're lying. Like I saw you three you're weeks like, ago. That's not true. Not true. It- and then we were like, well, I guess I'll see you at football season. And then you texted me like 30 minutes later. And you're like, we're going on a cruise in like six weeks. Yeah, totally. We're just, we're not good at things, but the, char- the not the charge on thing. event. I keep, I keep wanting to call it charge on tour and it's not. The Tampa thing was interesting. I hit Darren Henshaw was there and spoke and gave like the wildest uh, NIL analogy I'd ever seen where, cause he gets up there and he's like, I- I'm not gonna do the whole thing. Cause he talked forever, but he goes up there and he's like, yeah, you know, so he's like, you're all here because we need your money. And he didn't say it like that openly, but that was basically the vibe. And he was like, so, you know, here's how the transfer portal works. He's like, who are our parents? Who are our parents out here? And a few people raised their hands. And he's like, you know, say that you're a parent and your kid comes to you and says, well, I really like living here with you, but the house down the street, they they have a pool and they're, they're even saying they're going to up my allowance. And they're saying, I don't have to do chores. And you as the parent, you're like, well, hold on a minute. I've raised you. Like I've put all this effort into raising you. You're just going to leave like that. And that your kid is like, well, they, they're, they, I don't have to do chores over there. So then you go to mom and you say, we can't lose our kid. He's going to move in down the street. He's just going to abandon us. What can we do about this? And then your mom says, well, you know, the Johnson's down the streets kid just got into Princeton and has really good grades and he doesn't even have an allowance. So why don't we just go get him instead? And then Henshaw just drops in and goes, and that, and that's what coaches do now. And I just was like, that's the most spot on way to describe nil i've seen in any media in any capacity it was a it was a wild little like analogy he the analogy went on for what felt like four and a half minutes he just went on like like two had like down two or three two or three twists and turns and i was like this is enthralling it really was he also said and i hate that i can't remember the exact number he said that in the last few weeks the kingdom has raised either half a million or a million and i can't remember which one of those numbers he said i apologize because <laughs> i know that's a dramatic discrepancy but i feel like either way that's a very good thing because he implied they'd raise that in like a very short amount of time so yeah it was, no, it, was it was interesting um i think both of us came away like liking henshaw more than we did before not that we yeah, didn't like him before I, it's but not like... that i didn't like him before but i was also just kind of like We'll ambivalent. see. Like we'll see what happens, and and then he spoke, and I was like, oh, I think this guy can recruit at least because like he's he's got. I'm I've bought in on his vision. So yeah, Isaiah Nixon yeah, so. is a is a large man. That was my That's, other takeaway. What's the other takeaway? He was there, and he was extremely large. Um, yeah, no, it was fun. It was a good time. Now we'll move on to our five star review question. Um, and this is coming from um a very, I think, a, a person with very good taste in, in music because we have. What Taylor Swift album would you say aligns best with each of the Big 12 teams? Again, like I said, great taste, must be a wonderful person overall. Um, and yeah, this is an interesting question that we can get into. This is, we probably should explain. Um, I think we've maybe talked about it in the past podcast because I've drawn the ire of JP Gilbert. Uh, I love Taylor Swift. I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. 
I think what would be a way to describe you're just indifferent, right? Like I think a... if you loaded a gun and put it to my head and said, name three Taylor Swift songs or you're going to kill me, I would be, I would die. Okay. But it's just like an indifference. It's not like it's indifference. Don't I don't her. dislike yeah. Taylor Swift. I've just never listened to yeah. her music. That's I mean, fair. I've I've heard it. It's out there in the world. Yeah. I literally, I was trying to think of this earlier. I don't think I can name us. I think I can name one song. Um, well, the good news is I'm going to about to name a bunch as we go through this. Well, that's so. good. So I also, for the, I mean, I'm participating in this exercise and I really just went on the album names and that was uh, the extent of my research. So this should be really, Excellent. really good in two very different directions. But yeah. Excellent. And I understand there's probably going to be a segment of our listeners who are just like, what's happening here? And I'm uh, with you guys. I, let, me be, let me be your vessel because I also don't yeah. know what's happening. We do have a topic to get onto um, just after this. So we will jump through these different albums starting with the self-titled album taylor swift her debut album do you want to go first how are we going to do this i guess we'll just yeah i'll go first we we can switch off um yeah yeah, so for taylor swift i assign taylor swift to texas because i think that texas is the only school that has such an ego that they would just name an album after themselves so texas is taylor (laughs) swift um i went a different route i had this because it was her debut album i had it as cincinnati byu and houston debuting in the big 12 i know ucf is is missing from there but we get on to ucf in a little bit um, and then I went in with some songs. I think the song should have said no describes how the conference should have approached their discussions with Houston. Oh, my God. Um, and I think the song Invisible, which is the title, describes Cincinnati's New Year's Six trophies. Um, this is the dumbest thing we've ever done in the history of this podcast. And I'm so here for the rest of this list. Now. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. And we're only just getting started. because We'll move on now to Fearless. Um, let's hear what you have. Uh, Fearless, I had TCU because they fearlessly got all the way to the national championship game, even though everyone thought they couldn't do it. Way to go, okay. guys. Um, I actually went UCF with Fearless. Um, I said Gus channeled some Fearless energy when they said they'd play teams in the parking lot if they had to. That's good. Um, I like that. The the uh, album has like a gold vibe to it, and you know UCF and and I know Wild Bill probably loves the cover of this album. What does that mean? It has a gold. It has a gold vibe to it. It's just like there's a gold tint on the album. Like the album is like there's it's gold tinted, and Wild Bill will love it. Um, that has a song called Change. There's been a lot of that at UCF. Um, there's a song called White Horse. UCF has its very own Pegasus. Like oh, that, that is a lot and of then, gold. I'm looking at the album cover. Yeah. Some might say um, too much gold. And there's a song called Breathe on uh, Taylor's version of the album. And ironically, no one could breathe during the last three games of the 2017 season. So <laughs> is, will, uh... is Fearless the one that Kanye like was bad on stage? No, a photo popped up when I searched the album. Name. Yeah, so, no, I, th- I believe it was after Fearless. Yes. I get my years mixed up because she she's released the different albums and then re-release them now that she's wanting to own the masters of them so yeah cool that we lost my interest anyway um all right so what's next speak, speak now, now is next speak now i have ucf because we never shut up <laughs> <laughs> i realize now that like i went really good like or re- like really closely with like colors on this one because there's like a purple i don't want to keep saying vibe there's like a purple it's just very purple you do just keep saying vibe instead of color like it's just the color of the album you're like it's got like a vibe you know (laughs) yeah it does um and i really just went all over the place with this one but she so she says um this this new version of the taylor's version of it is coming out next week and she said she loves the album because it's a tale of growing up flailing flying and crashing and living to speak about it and i feel like tcu has kind of done that in the big 12 you know they 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 grew up in the big 12 yeah yeah, they 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 flew this past season and they crashed in the national championship game, but they've lived to speak about it. So I like that. Nice. I like them. You're really you've got good meanings here. I, I like it. We you still haven't said the name of a song I've heard of, but we're we're getting there. 
Um, I promise right, I like. I promise I keep up with pop culture. Like I've heard all the Taylor Swift songs. I just couldn't tell you what any of them were called. You know, as good of friends as we are, like I don't really know your music taste that well. Yeah, no one does. I'm realizing, no one does. We don't like. <laughs> we don't. That's not one of the things you and I talk about. Like we don't. Talk yeah, about I was music. literally gonna say I don't talk about music with like a lot of people because all of my friends listen to the same stuff. Like like our friend group that like we're both a part of. It's like you all have the exact same music taste, and like I don't really listen to Taylor Swift. So <laughs> you guys start talking about music, and I'm just kind of like cool. Like that's that's yeah, great you guys. Yeah. Um, next album is Red. Red. I put Texas Tech because they're red. Yep, there and we the, go. And they're the I'm Red Raiders. The, so. I'm on the same page as you. They're the Red Raiders. It couldn't be anyone else. Um, yeah, I, mean, I had on. a song. I had a song parallel. Uh, sad, beautiful, tragic. It's a good description of uh, Texas Tech's time with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback because they didn't do anything of note, which is sad. It was beautiful because you got to watch Patrick Mahomes play, but it was tragic that you accomplished nothing. It's also a good way to describe their uniforms if you cut beautiful. <laughs> it's good. So they've, got, good so they've got that too. Ooh, speaking of uniforms, great segue. 1989. 1989, I had Texas because they were last relevant in 1989. See, you made that joke to me when this question came up, and I find it unfair. I find it unfair, too, because they won a national championship won, like 15 yeah. years after that. But, like, I'm going to make the jokes. And, I'm, That's you know, fair. listen, they were they were closer to being relevant. And, like, the last time they were relevant is closer to 1989 than it is to 2023. So. Okay. Fair. Um 1989 has style and clean on it, two, two songs, and that's how I would describe Oklahoma State's uniform. So I said Oklahoma State. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, and then... Is style about Harry either... Styles? Yeah. Yes. Look at that. Look at that. I knew one something. Of, uh, it's, e- it's either one of the most awarded pop albums of all time or the most awarded pop album of all time. And given Oklahoma State's top spot on both of our uniform rankings, that felt like it fit too. So Oklahoma State. Um, next is Reputation. Reputation. Um, I put Texas because reputation is all they have left. Okay. I put Texas and Oklahoma for a different reason. Um, man, I, I can't keep going into the lore of all of this. So I guess I'll just cut right to some of the other things. Um, there's a, a song called Getaway Car. And I feel like the SEC is their getaway car out of the Big 12. Um, and the, so- the song starts, nothing good starts in a getaway car. And I feel like nothing good is going to come of this SEC move. But they're going to get a lot of money, but they're just both going to be very mid. You have really in-depth answers for this stuff. I well, like yeah, that. I mean, I, I feel like I had to bring that because I'm a Taylor Swift fan here. There's another joke I made here that I have to say. I know this is getting a little long, so if you guys don't want to listen to this part, skip up ahead like maybe like two or three minutes. Um, but there's another song called New Year's Day, which is actually a really, really good love song. But uh, I'm saying it's ironically fitting both of these programs because they might not be playing on New Year's Day all that much for a while. That was really good. I like that one. Thank you. That I appreciate good. it. Um, um, probably not UCF either, but it's fine. Uh, hey, we'll, <laughs> we'll, I don't want to think about that. Lover. Lover, I put Kansas State because their fans are like really nice on Twitter, almost nice to a fault. Like they're just very pleasant people. So Kansas State gets Lover. That's that feels probably more fitting than mine because mine, I was like, none of the teams, I don't feel like any of the teams really fit the actual, like, I don't know, the general feel of the album, but there's songs that I tied to Baylor. Um, soon You'll Get Better is a song that I feel like Baylor will get better. I believe in David. I believe they'll soon get better. Yeah. Um, then there's a song called You Need to Calm Down, and that's more aimed at uh that baylor podcast that was like why did we add ucf and baylor's ad who was like saying well i think ucf needs to realize that they're not in the big 12 yet so just chill out what baylor what, what i mean i know you're probably <laughs> still mad about the fiesta bowl but let's they definitely are okay um we got three left folklore uh folklore i put texas because their history was so long ago and all their success <laughs> was so long ago <laughs> it's practically folklore at this point Okay, fair. Um, I put Iowa State because folklore came out um, during COVID in 2020. 
and Iowa State's like COVID season remains one of their better ones as of late. I think it was like their it only did. season of relevance lately. What does that say about you as um, a program? Like, obviously, they won the Fiesta Bowl that year. Like, that's a really big deal. But also, like, they're like all it took for Iowa State to be a top ten team was for <laughs> no one to have fans. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and I feel like a few years removed from that, I feel like folklore has stood the test of time. But I don't think Iowa State has. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I mean, they're not bad. Well, they went four and eight this year, and we're last. They aren't great. So yeah, they are. They are bad. <laughs> and but, I don't you know, know that they have that like. I don't know. I don't know. I have they're in a really weird future. spot where they're bad and their coach also gets NFL offers every offseason. Like, it's a very weird spot to be in. I don't know. And it also feels like, because, like, I know this this might be a bad example because there's only been a couple of players that UCF has, like, fought with them with. But I feel like there's going to be, like, they're, they're going to get a little bit of the effects of, like, some of these new teams joining and recruiting. Like, they're, yeah. they're going to lose out on some players that they typically would have gotten. And that's not good for them. Two more. Evermore. Uh, Evermore. I didn't really know what Evermore meant. Um, I have to say this is also the only album. There's a Taylor Swift song I've heard of, and it is Which the only, is only Taylor Swift song I have in my playlist. And it's Nobody, No Crime because she mentions Olive Garden. Um, so <laughs> I looked up what Evermore. <laughs> that's true, by the way. I looked up what. Um... I, I know it's true. You don't have to say that's true, by the <laughs> way. Like that's everyone who's listening to this podcast. Is like, oh, it makes sense. Follows. I I um I looked up what Evermore means and it means forever and I so I put Cincinnati because forever um is how long they will have zero New Year's six wins. So. <laughs> um, I said West Virginia because on the album cover she's like staring out into the woods in a plaid coat and I imagine that's just what living in West Virginia. Oh, is that like. the one where she's just like staring in the woods? Yeah, you see like the her braid is like the yeah yeah. When I imagine I went... that's what it's like to live in West Virginia. You just wear plaid and stare out into the woods. I I mentioned on like uh, several months ago on a podcast because we talked about it briefly. I went up to uh. Athens, Georgia, with one of our college friends to see another one of my college friends who's now in grad school uh, in Georgia. And uh, there were these really like nice looking woods uh, near Georgia. And one of the people I was with spent 20 minutes trying to retake that album cover of themselves <laughs> in the woods. Um, so we'll okay, just leave that at that. But uh, anyway, okay, what's the last one? The last one is Midnight's. Midnight's. I put BYU because that's what time I will be in Provo when all their games finish. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's really good. Um, I said... I said Kansas State because there's a song called Lavender Haze and it made me think of Kansas Ooh, State's that's Lavender. Good. That's good. That they should more they should incorporate more into football. Uh, there's another song called Karma, which I don't know I, if you haven't heard that song. I'm kind of surprised. Never heard um, of it. I'm sure I've heard it, but I don't know. That, that song is on the album, and I imagine K State fans probably feel like it was some nice karma that TCU's playoff run ended the way it did because Kansas State beat them in the Big Twelve championship, and then they went on to the playoff. And I'm not saying TCU shouldn't have made the playoff, but maybe some K State fans may be like, hey. They got what they deserved. They didn't even beat us for the title. So what's the, the song? What's the song where there's a guy who wants it comfortable, but she wants pain? That, that is, I'm. You've heard that song, yeah. Uh, Midnight is, Rain. Yeah, I was gonna say. I thought that was Midnight in it too. Okay, is that not from yeah. that album? It is from that album. Oh, I kind of figured with Midnight. Okay, look at me. I'm learning stuff, guys. <laughs> I like it. Learned a lot very, on this podcast. Very nice. Very nice. I think whoever asked this question will be very impressed with. Can I, can with I ask that one more Taylor? You. Can I ask one more Taylor Swift question because this has been bothering me all day? And I didn't want to look it up. I know there's that really old song that they never stop playing. Where like, it's like Romeo and Juliet or something. What is that song called? Love story. Love story. Thank you. Okay. I like. I That's feel. What... I feel like I could sing that song word for word because it got played so much and I have no idea what it's called. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, that was fun. That was fun. That was a great. That was a great time. We'll now jump on to what we are here to talk about mainly today, which is wrapping up UCF's time in the AAC. This is the last week of UCF being in the AAC. This is Thoughts the last question. ever episode of this podcast where we are technically an AAC podcast. Think about that. 
This is a Power Five podcast. I'm gonna change the name. Of, I've never thought of our podcast as an AAC podcast, and you're I gonna, hate that. You're going to join so us glad. next week, and Bailey's going to start it and go. Welcome into the Power Five podcast presented by Nine Sports. Now, I am. It's not a bad name. Power Five podcast. Maybe we should a little bit of that. alliteration there. Yeah. Should we just like start it. a second podcast where we talk about college football in general and just call it the Power Five podcast? Um, I don't think I have the time for that, but I, know, I, put you I like, like the idea. Podcasts. Yeah, that's. A I lot. like the idea. <laughs> I still like my um, idea of us starting a Rays podcast where you talk about the Rays and I, who don't watch baseball, just offer really random commentary about baseball. We should do that sometime. Yeah. What was that? You made an example. No, I made an example, I think, when you told me that the first time and I was like, it made you laugh. I don't know what it was. Really? We, people don't care about this. Let's, let's really move don't. on. The AAC. It, it's been a time. It's been it's a good over. time. I've enjoyed it. It, has, it is over. Conference is cooked. Um, <laughs> it, it actually had, like, I actually want to talk about this a little bit because I've been a little like, not annoyed but like a little like i don't know surprised like on twitter and it's like this has been this is not a new thing but i feel like it's picked up in the last week because a lot of ucf fans are like we're finally leaving screw the aac you guys suck i'm glad that you're gonna fail and i'm like i i don't i don't totally get the aac animosity like i genuinely truly don't get where fans are coming from when they hate the aac because like UCF is upgrading. That's very exciting. We've been talking about literally my entire lifetime, the idea of UCF getting into a power conference and it's finally happening. But like the AAC was a really good home. Like it was a really, really good decade. UCF had a lot of success. They finally got to share a league with USF and dominated them. They built a new rivalry out of Cincinnati. Like all like it's just weird that like I don't totally get what the animosity is for the league. It was a perfectly fine home and it achieved its purpose. It gave UCF the platform it needed to get where it wants to go. I think it's just a I don't know. It, it's some built up some built up things I think over the years of like everyone, all the other programs, you know, beating down on UCF in terms of like, Oh, you're in the G five and now UCF has risen up. And so like, Oh, we get to do that now. It's it's like not learning your lesson. I know at all. I, th- it actually um, really, I think that's part of it. Cause I feel like I still sort of have like a G five mentality. Like, like, like we talked about before Bailey and I are huge college football fans. Like I love college football. Like I am so excited for college football season, not just for Saturday when like Ohio state and Notre Dame play, but because like I will be watching Louisiana and Georgia state play on Tuesday. And I think that's cool. And I, I don't like that the UCF fan base is already turning into like, ha, we're P5. And if you're G5, you suck. Now, that being said, the AAC made some very interesting expansion moves. And I feel like (laughs) that league is going to be very bad now. But I feel like you can acknowledge that that league is going to be bad and also be like, hey, thank you for the memories. Not every conference wanted UCF. USF tried very hard to keep UCF out of this conference, but the AAC said, shut up. We're going to take them anyway. And it's been a very fun decade where UCF has turned into a national brand. They were not a national brand in Conference USA at all. They were yeah. Central Florida, and most people didn't even know that. And now they're UCF. They've had all the success, three New Year's Six Bowl appearances, one, two of them, top 10 seasons, top 25 seasons. Just like, it was a good time. I had a really good I had a really good decade. I had a good time, save for 2015, but I had a great time. It was, it was, a, good, it was a good decade. Um, we're going to look back with a few different topics here going through our favorite UCF football moments in the big or in the the big 12 era in the AAC era, uh, our favorite overlooked UCF football moments in the AAC era. And then our favorite non-football moments in the AAC era. So we'll start with favorite UCF football moment in the AAC era. Do you, do you want me to go first? Would you like, would you like to go first? I'm going to neither. I want to say something else. Um, I also, then we'll do that. I also just meant to say this before a Brevin Murphy posted an article about like uh, teams changing leagues and talk to Gus Malzahn. But the most interesting stat he threw out there is that on Saturday, 10% of FBS is going to change leagues. That's crazy that is... to me. Yeah, that seems like a high number. I know 10 like, people are going to say 10%, doesn't it? Like, when, it, when you're talking about this in the scope of college football, that's a lot. 
That's a ton. I just think it's funny because yeah. we're like, ah, it's UCF's day of joy. And it's like, there are a lot of teams who come Saturday are going to be celebrating, but yeah. Uh, why don't you give us your favorite football moment from the AAC? Um, College game day. The day. Oh, that's a good one. I should have picked that. That's really good. No, really? Okay. I, I, oh, I think I know what you're picking, but yeah, I just, man, I, we've talked about, we talked about this a few times, I think on the podcast, Um, but just being students at that time was like, I feel so lucky. Yep, that was the case. Um, and waking up at what was it? I didn't get there as early as some people, but I think I woke up. I got about two hours of sleep. I think I woke up and got to campus around six that morning, waited for game day. Just the entire festivity around it was insane. The atmosphere at the stadium, however many eight hours later, was crazy. The game itself, UCF, you know, routed Cincinnati. There was the the false start penalties and delay of game penalties because of the crowd noise, like. It was just an all-time day, and there's other moments, like particular moments, but that just felt like a culmination of a lot. And I think just in, in a you know result of it or a consequence of it. I don't know if consequence might be a bad connotation, but Kirk Herbstreit, who was like probably representative of like all the people throughout 2017 that were like you know dump, dumping on UCF and all this stuff during their run, him actually getting to actually come to campus and be like, this is what I've been like dumping on, and being like, they've really like changed my mind today that was a cool that was a cool moment he literally on the broadcast was like oh i yeah. wasn't correct <laughs> he was just yeah. like oh it turns out no this is a big time program i apologize sorry for being wrong yeah um and but, then he no, and literally just... since that he's been like the biggest ucf homer too like for literally the next four years anytime ucf came up on a podcast or on tv be like ucf man like that's like we except for the total was it 2020 byu or something like that or was some yeah he said of... that it was yeah it was when byu was really good in 2020 he said that they're more a more complete team than like the ucf surpassed g5s and then byu went out there and steamrolled ucf which doesn't mean anything because by that point ucf no longer fielded, yeah. a de- fielded a defense but it was still frustrating <laughs> Um, the other issue with this is I agree because that was probably the most surreal day in UCF history. Like it was wild to just be walking around campus and be like, oh my God, for this morning, for this day, we are the center of the college football universe. Just because it, like it's different for UCF than it is for some other schools. Because obviously a lot of schools host game day. App State hosted it this past year. It, it, it's different for UCF because, and this is going to sound so cocky, but I feel like it's true is that, or at least it's true that we feel this way, is that UCF fans for as far back as you want to go, all the way back to the freaking D3 days, felt that this was almost their birthright, that this program and this school exist to eventually take up that spotlight. Like, it's not like programs where, you know, you root for your team and you hope they do well and you hope for especially every now and then. UCF believes that they can be one of the top brands in college football. That's been a thing my entire life. So it just felt like this big, massive validation of that, that they'd gotten there in that moment. It was the culmination. It felt like the culmination of the whole win streak. One downside of you picking that as your moment. Um, it reminded me that all they had to do to do that again was beat East Carolina this year and they couldn't do it. <laughs> I hadn't actually thought about it like that. I, I did not. Could have done that again, like like that. like six months ago, but could not yeah. beat East Carolina. The other thing, the other thing was, um, I, I don't know, this is just a personal, like the way I experienced that day. And I'm glad that this worked out the way it did. It wasn't really the plan all along, but I was there with one of my friends and we were there from, we were there from like, like I said, 6 a.m. to probably maybe like 11, 15 or something like that. And after a while, cause you know, being there was a great experience, but like you can't hear everything. So like, no, there was times where it was kind of just like, all right, like we're just kind of standing around here. And like, then we would chant and all that stuff, but we were like, all right, let's just like, let's go back. Um, You know, we had like a Friendsgiving thing that day or whatever. Like, let's go back before that. And let's go like watch the rest of it on TV. And I'm really glad we did that because I just got to see it. Like, and I know you can watch, rewatch it, the whole thing on YouTube these days, but like, 
getting to see that that day, like going home and, and looking at watching the TV and being like, that's UCF. Like, first of all, Memory Mall, too, is like the perfect the perfect location for college yep. game day. And just getting to see that being UCF as many times as I've watched college game day in my life, being like, that's my school. Was a it really was, cool it was a very very cool very proud moment. I um I did not do the whole six hours there. I I, I showed up like an hour into it and walked around for an hour and then went home and watched it on TV because I don't Thanks. like crowds. Um, but <laughs> it was it was a good time. You and I lived together at that point. Did one of your folks come back early? Because I remember coming back and someone was just like asleep on our couch and I don't know why. Um, no, it was a weird it was a weird thing where like uh, my group of friends like some of them had something else to do that day, and then there was only like two of us that went to game day. Okay. So when you, I don't know, when you came, I don't know, I don't know who would have been asleep when you came back. Not that anyone cares, but. Couldn't tell you who it was. Just, oh, no. Just interesting. Looked at them judgingly and then turned on the TV. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that was a great moment. You probably, yeah, that, that, I, that might be mine, but it won't be for the sake of this podcast. Okay. Yours. Um, mine was as far as individual moments, it, the Mike Hughes play, but also that game in general. I, that yeah. was. Another culmination type moment where that, by the way, a lot of people watched that game. That was like a 4 million plus viewed game, which is crazy in college football standards. Like that's usually reserved for like the Ohio States and Alabamas of the world. And it just was like, that felt like a real spotlight game for UCF. Like we know the Peach Bowl happened like about a month after that. And that was when UCF really popped off and it became this whole discussion of the national championship thing. But that was like the initial introduction of UCF to larger college football for the first time in a few years. And not just because of that, that like how insane that game was, but because of, you know, by then Scott Frost had was up in the headlines. There was the story of how they were 0-12 two years ago, and now they're one win away from an undefeated regular season. And then it turned out to be the most insane. Like, that game is still considered, even by, like, just casual college football fans, like, one of the better games of the last five, six years. It was just absurd. And for UCF to win it on this insane play that is just, like, so memorable is really freaking cool. And it was just such a such a freaking fun moment, you know? Like, it just felt like oh, so many emotions and everything went into that. What's cool and it was is, USF. like, yeah. What's cool is like you go back and that was six years ago now, which wow, that feels like a, a crazy thing to say, but you're like, it's still recent enough where like you think about it, when you think 25 years down the line from now to, to say like that moment, like we were there for that. I know you have a funny story that you've told on the podcast before about how you didn't see it like on this, like in person really. Sure. Didn't. Um, but the fact that like that happened during our time there is like, Very cause cool. that, that's an all time program moment that will be an all time program moment forever. And like you're gonna see the pictures of that probably hanging up around UCF like football buildings forever. It's just yeah. crazy to think about. Our, our time at UCF in particular is just weird. Like I in four years at UCF, I saw three football coaches. Like that, it, it just <laughs> it, it was a weird stretch of time. But the other thing about how much things have changed since that moment, at that moment that Mike Hughes caught that kickoff, uh, USF led the series six two between UCF and USF. Like it's just weird to look back on that now with how horrific USF now is and has been for many years and how dominant UCF is. But that moment was just really cool for a lot of reasons. And I feel like for a lot of people, that's still like one of the defining UCF moments, you know? And that's why I almost had that as mine because just from a pure moment standpoint, yeah, the game as a whole, but like that return, I feel like that was one of the few times in my life that like, I just couldn't hear, I couldn't hear anything. Like my ears were just ringing and like people in the student section were just like pushing each other over and like it was crazy um but yeah so i almost had that one do you have any honorable mentions that you want to throw out there because i just had like a few that i could throw out there if you want me to uh go for it um i had trey neal clinching uh, the clinching interception against memphis a week later in the conference championship game that was another crazy game obviously um both comebacks against memphis in 2018 
Bortles to Godfrey in 2013, and obviously the Hale Perryman in 2014 were all JJ Wharton against moments. Temple. I throw that one That's in. That's another there. good one. Yeah, that is another good one. Um I have I have I have others to throw in, but I'm gonna talk about them in our next one. So I don't need to throw Okay, them. yeah. Favorite overlooked UCF football moment in the AAC era. This one's like pretty open-ended, so curious to see which way you went. You go first. Oh, does that mean I'm going? I guess I should have, yeah. you're like, you're like saying, I'm, you're curious what I did and you're nodding your head at me. And I'm just looking blankly at you. Like, are you going to say yours? So I don't know. <laughs> my bad. Um, yeah. So I kind, this. <laughs> I kind of have two. There's one that I wasn't going to pick, but then I found a really cool stat about it that I tweeted earlier. So I'll, I'll throw it out. And that was, um, that was uh, UCF going to uh, and beating Penn state at Penn state in 2013. That for whatever reason, I feel like no one talks about like I that never comes up in conversation really on social media, just among fans or anywhere. It's almost like people have forgotten it's happened. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because Penn State was only OK then. I think they had like seven wins that season. That's a huge deal. I, I looked still. it up and that in the last decade, UCF is the only non Big Ten team to win at Penn State. Penn State is 53 and 15 at home in the last decade. And UCF just went there and beat them. And like I said, that's cool. But it's just funny to me that no one talks about that. Like not yeah. even remotely in any UCF discussion for some reason. I don't know if it's just because so much crazy stuff happened that season. I think so. But we're also like, I I looked at this and was thinking about this one too. Um, it doesn't matter to me that, like, for, first of all, with, the, with that context, especially doesn't matter to me that Penn State only had seven wins. But what made me think that it didn't matter anyway was the fact that that was like, the attendance was nearly 93,000. Yeah. And like, that's at a time where like UCF didn't play in front of crowds like that. I mean, they still don't play in front of crowds like that often. There will yeah, maybe six, more now. Six months but... before that game was played, UCF was a Conference USA team. Like the, the only time yeah. they've been in front of crowds like that was when they were doing bye games. You know? Yeah. So they go in, they go into into Happy Valley and play in front of ninety three thousand and win. Like that, that does deserve more attention than it gets. Absolutely. Um, that wasn't yeah. my real one though, but I guess I talked about it a lot. But anyway, we'll do my real one now. It is also from twenty thirteen, and this is like one of those moments where I was in the stands because I was sixteen for the twenty thirteen season, sixteen, and felt like I was going to vomit and scream and cry. And it's one of those things. Maybe I did. Who knows? And <laughs> it's one of those things that people just don't really talk about that much. And it's the goal line stand against Houston in twenty thirteen. I had that one too. Oh my God. Like I, I seriously, if you guys, let me set, if you're a, a, either a younger UCF fan or just don't care, let me set the stage for you for how that game went. So that's like one of the forgotten games of 2013. So going into that game, UCF was six and one and ranked number 21. They just had the one loss to South Carolina. Houston was seven and one and undefeated in conference because they hadn't played Louisville yet. And that game had so much hype around it because it was like, Whoever wins this game ta- ta- like has firm control of the BCS bid that the conference still had at that point. And it was this huge matchup. UCF got a great crowd for it. I think it was 45,000 or close to it. And everyone knew the winner was going to take control of the AAC. And Houston, who at that point, going to that game, they're averaging 37 points per game. They were a very good offense. It had been a defensive game. And Houston gets the freaking ball. They get to the UCF 10-yard line with 106 to go. The 10-yard line. They're, UCF's only up by five with 106 to go. And it's like, UCF's going to lose. And I just remember being so, oh my God. So let me just walk you through it. For some reason, by the way, there's no freaking video of this. I was going through YouTube today trying to find a video of this and literally just could not find one. So that was incredibly frustrating. But anyway, I, so let me just walk you through it. So first down, incomplete pass. Second down, they gained three yards on a carry. Third down, incomplete pass. Fourth down, incomplete pass. They never even got inside the five on four tries. I, it just, the most absurd thing ever. Yeah, I mean that's it was, it was a nineteen to fourteen game if I remember nineteen to fourteen score. Yep. Um. Yeah. That that I had on on my list of ones under consideration because it really was. And like you said, there's so many crazy moments because of the whole cardiac nights thing of that whole season, where like the one that I also was thinking about as you were talking about that was 
the Memphis game where like yeah. they, they, it took it took a forced fumble return uh, return for a touchdown on a kickoff late in the game to win that game. And that was a bad um, Memphis team too. <laughs> yeah, would have would have everything like that unfolded the rest of that season like wouldn't have happened without without that happening too. There were just so many games like that in 2013. That season um, built a lot of confidence for me in life because I was like, if I can survive this season, I can survive anything. Because that was truly hell on a week to week basis. It was like UCF having this amazing season, and every single week they had the dangle in front of you. What if it's all for nothing? What if we're going to well, lose right now? Regardless, even the JJ Wharton, the JJ yes. Wharton catch prevented like another just like mishap because that would have been everything come cr- coming crashing down on UCF if if that wouldn't have happened. Because they did it literally man. every single Temple was <laughs> two and ten, and they needed the most insane catch of USF that year was every week. Good. Yeah, but that was because of the helmets. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. My favorite overlooked UCF football moment. Like I said, this was open-ended, so this isn't really a moment. But the fact that they went on a 31-game streak of scoring 30-plus points. Yep. Because that just feels like we don't talk about that a lot anymore. And that was a, an insane time to just to watch UCF play football because they were scoring 50 points every week. They're 45, 38. Like their, their bad games were like 38 points, 34 points. Um, and they, that covered, what was it? 2017 to 2019. Yeah. Um, I don't 31, think... 31 games in a row. What you said is spot on because I actually don't think like no one even talks about it anymore. UCF did not score under 30 points for two and a half seasons. They were just like, nah, we're just not going to do it. And they played some yeah. good teams in that span. I, I just, it, it, they played Auburn, they played LSU. I, it, they just, it, it was the most insane stretch. And I think that I could be wrong and I don't have the chance to look it up, but I think that USF held the record before UCF broke it for most consecutive games with 30 points scored. You did. So you said that before we got on the podcast and I think you're right now that I think about it because it was the whole Quentin Flowers, like that team from, was it 20, maybe 2014? I don't know. I think like 2016 to 2017. Maybe. Either way, that just makes that makes it that much more fun. And I don't think it was even like, it, it was probably long. I don't think it was that long though. Like I think UCF, broke that record and then like crushed the record. Cause I don't think it was like third. It, like, it wasn't UCF barely, barely broke the record and then lost it, lost the streak. I think like that went on for a while after they broke the streak. Um, but yeah, I mean, just that, it that looks like, era, it looks like USF was 20. They had 20, in 20. Okay. So they went 11 past that. Yeah. There you um, go. That whole era of just like UCS offenses was unbelievable to watch. It was um, it, so I had like that. looking back on that, like even like the best offenses in the country just have games where things don't go their way. You turn the ball over, whatever. That team just for whatever reason, just for two and a half straight years, could not, no matter what you do, put put up less than 30 points. I miss scoring 30 points every game. Um, Me too, man. Honorable, honorable mentions. Um, I had a couple other ones. The Bam Moore forced fumble against Navy, because like similar to similar to the Memphis and Houston games in 2013, we talked about like that was a close game. And that switched the momentum because they were up, I think, three at the time. It was 24-21. Yep. Bam Moore with an absolutely, like, like, it was a massive hit. Jars the ball loose, recovers it, and then Otis Anderson scored a touchdown like, a couple minutes later to put it out of reach. I mean, out of reach, 10 points. But, yeah, it was late. So that that kind of ended that game. Um, I had the 2014 overtime win over BYU. I very vividly remember that game, and I don't know why. I just, yeah. I, was, I mean, it was a national TV game. on a, It was a Thursday night, I believe, right? That game was one of my um, first ever Instagram posts. Really, I took a I took a shaky shot of the a scoreboard and said overtime. <laughs> nice. I need to look at that. Um, <laughs> then the other thing I had as an honorable mention was UCF unveiling its new uniforms in 2016. I almost made a joke about that, but to me, it's not <laughs> overlooked because it's one of the most important things. Not, not to you, but yeah. I mean, um, can it, I throw in? Just... 
Can I throw in stand back running over a man in 2013? Yes. Okay. I thought about I that too. That was very nice. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of fun in this this era. There were there were a lot of good times. There were bad times. Like I think another oh. overlooked moment I might throw in is uh, against UConn in 2015 when I think it was Nick Patty on a kick return stepped out of the end zone, realized that they were closing <laughs> on and said, "I'm just going to jog back in there and take a knee." They wanted to deal with this. That was pretty bad. I think I, think uh-huh. I like turned the TV off. I was like, All right, "I'm not, I'm not going to bother <laughs> with the rest of this." Like that was so that I I was trying in 2015, like because that was I was a freshman that year and it was like, "Oh, I finally after all these years of going to UCF games, I'm going to be a student." going to get to the go of the games. And I was trying so hard to keep going to the games. And I remember that game, that moment happened. And I was like, I have to be done. And I didn't go to another home game until you, uh, until uh, South I've, Florida at the end of the year. I think I've, I've told you before, but I don't know if I've said on the podcast that I almost went to that game. Like I was kind of playing, I was eyeing that game like early on in 2015, like, cause I had, I got accepted to UCF and was going to start in 2016, but I was like, Oh, I want to go to a game. And then I was kind of, as the season went on, I was like, Hmm, maybe not. <laughs> maybe just... I won't. I went to a basketball game instead that November. Um, and then my first first ever UCF football game was the SC State game in 2016. So we've probably I... like talked about this before, but like I gaslit myself into believing uh, and this is serious. Like I was delusional. I was losing my mind like four games into that season. I was still telling people that they could win the conference. <laughs> because i just refused to believe it i just literally like i remember because like i remember it was right at, it was when they lost to stanford in the second game and then they lost to Furman, and i was like guys it was bad but conference play is what matters and if they just get into conference play and then i remember it was tulane i'm streaming it on like this was pre-espn plus it was like some awful laptop feed and they're just tulane's just scoring and scoring and i remember sitting in my dorm room alone watching this game and i'm just like oh they're actually not going to win any games this year <laughs> like this, yeah. yeah that's just it man it's man i like how he ended there with with the with the football talk was we ended on 2015 but you know what um, I, it's honestly i can laugh about 2015 now since they've been incredibly dominant ever since like you think about like yeah. usf's just been doing 2015 on repeat for like four years now like that at least they didn't get stuck there i thought it was going to take years to get out of that right, so it's That's like you can kind of like, laugh on it laugh about it it was now. like a lo- it was like a launching pad <laughs> like un- it unbelievably it was like it really did because it's set in stage Danny everything White, Danny White, Scott Frost, and then just the whole rebrand, everything like uniforms changed. Yeah. Um, all right. Favorite non-football moment in the AAC era. I feel like there were a lot of those too. Cause like even in the years when UCF wasn't dominant in football, like more like recently, I guess I would say there's been some other programs that are like, have really had some amazing seasons. I guess I'll go first with this one. And it, I, I've struggled with this one, but it feels like maybe a little bit of recency bias, but I had UCF softball hosting and winning a regional in 2022. You know, okay. after they ran through the AAC with a 16 and two record and they beat USF 11, nothing on a run rule to win the conference tournament that year. And I know it was very recent, but like that was just one of the better seasons of any UCF, uh, non non-football UCFs. Even really, that's one of the best seasons in UCF history in any sport, just including football. Um, and it felt like a glimpse into what UCF softball could be as a break. Like, it, it's hard to host as uh, uh, I don't know what they call them. Do they call them mid-majors? I think mid-major, softball? yeah. It's it's hard when you're not a Power 5 program in softball and baseball. It's hard to host, I would say. like Especially when Michigan be, is who's coming in. Yeah. You have to be really, really good, and they were really, really good, and that was just such a fun season to watch. And, like, they get to host the regional, and you're like, all right, cool. Like, hopefully they win it, and then they do win it, and you're like, this is amazing. The Super Regional went the way it did, but it was Oklahoma. You can never fault a team for losing to Oklahoma in softball, but that was just a, a special season. It could be recency bias, but like I, well, it is because it just happened. But at the same time, like I seriously think that 
that run, like the last like monthish of that season, and then into the AAC tournament, and then into the regional, the super regional, like that's the most fun I think I've had watching a UCF team that wasn't football. It really might be. Yeah, I mean, especially for like how long, like for it was just a prolonged period of time too. It was just so fun. I, it's just yeah. like watching your team just destroy everyone they play is really entertaining, and I highly recommend it. Like it was a good time. <laughs> Would recommend. Um, what was your favorite one here? So I have two, um, sort of, and uh, I don't know which one to pick because one of them is a bad moment, but it was, you know, still worth it. And that was uh, the loss oh, to Duke in yeah, men's basketball. Okay. I'm sorry, but like that literally other than the Fiesta Bowl. And the don't Peach make Bowl, me post the meme again. Is I know I'm sorry, but that that moment is like the most recognition slash attention UCF has ever gotten outside of literally the two New Year's six wins, because I mean, the tournament is huge and that game is now somehow, well, not somehow it's great, but like literally considered like one of the all-time March Madness games, UCF just happened to be on the wrong side of it. And I want to scream and tear my hair out whenever I think about it, but it was, and I was, I was at that game. Let me brag, by the way, I was there guys. And it, it was a really, really cool experience. And I think that for a lot of UCF fans, we would like to never think about that game again, but I feel like hopefully we can also acknowledge at the same time that it was, a really, really incredible game and a really, really incredible moment for UCF, even though it ended in in a heart shattering way. It was. I like this. Bailey's had his eyes closed the entire time I've been talking about this. Book. And you know the problem with me having my eyes closed is like you know I don't know if you get this thing. This might be no. I think it probably is a thing for everyone. If you close your eyes, sometimes you'll see like images. Yeah. That's all I see. All like this entire time, I've been like rubbing my eyes trying to stop seeing this image, and all I can see is Aubrey Dawkins going for the layup with no time remaining. And th- I just see the ball in the air and in my brain and my, in my eyes, I'm like, Oh, maybe it'll go in. And I know it didn't. Yeah. I, it's and... the, ugh, I hate it. I, I do hate it. <laughs> I can't I rewatch the it. game. I can't, I finally watched highlights of it. Like maybe, I don't know, a few months ago. That was the first yeah. time I'd, I'd watched consumed any content regarding that game since it happened. I think what made it even more crazy too was like, like it's once something happens, you forget expectations, but like UCF was supposed to just get trashed. Like there was no yeah. expectation that they were going to be competitive in that. And then it just, that's and what March Madness is. And it was just they were unbelievable. A tip in from going to the sweet 16. Oh, I, okay. We'll stop. Let's stop talking about this. Uh, my other one that I also considered was also men's basketball. And it was the final four run in 2017 for the uh, NIT big asterisks NIT, but that was a ton of fun. And part of the reason it was so fun was because, A, I like watching my team win games, and B, UCF was coming off just garbage at that point. They were coming off three straight years of Donnie Jones and the AAC, where it's like they were fine in Conference USA, but they just could not hang in the AAC, and they had just become a total and complete afterthought. Like, fans who complain now and think it's bad now, like, oh my god, the t- there was no point in watching the games. Maybe we're in for that next year, who knows, but... And to go in one season under Dawkins from that to this awesome run deep in a tournament was just really cool. And a lot of enjoyable games and a lot of enjoyable memories. Yeah, Um, I'm looking at like my honorable mentions list and there is a lot of recency bias here, but UCF's been really good in some non-football sports recently. I mean, let's be real, the non-football sports were all pretty bad in the AAC until Danny White started firing coaches. So really, it's been the last four or five years that all those sports took off. UCF women's basketball's uh, 2022 run conference title. They beat USF in the conference tournament title game. Um, UCF volleyball's whatever six year run of of dominating the AAC. I particularly for that one had, and it was only I don't love like the fact that it was a shared title with Houston, but the five set match they played against Houston to end this past regular season, that was that game was insane. Like just looking thinking back on that, um, and then yeah, I had I had UCF uh, their March Madness appearance in 2019, particularly the Duke game. Um, 
I don't know if there's any that I missed. I'm probably there probably is. There's probably some women's soccer stuff in there, men's soccer too. Um, I think it's a good like spot to be in where UCF has had so much success across all sports that we have a hard time keeping track of it. Like that's that's literally yeah. where we're at. It's pretty that's sweet. A, that's a good thing, and I hope it you know to an extent can continue. I know it's going to be maybe a little bit difficult for some of the programs when we first jump into the Big Twelve. Um, but hey, they'll get that's there. What, that's that's what happens, and that Big Twelve move is coming up on Saturday. Um, which is when our next podcast will drop. That's right. We're, we're doing a special Saturday edition to celebrate UCF and the Big 12. Look out for it at midnight on Friday. Okay, that's a lie. It's going to be on, on, on the day on Saturday, but it's going to yeah. be very fun. It will be very fun. We'll be looking at the Big 12, the, the, the official move to the Big 12. And we've been talking about the Big 12 for almost two years now. But the fact that it's legitimately becoming official, where you can go to the Big 12's website and see UCF's logo, it's going to be pretty cool. It, it it's so stupid because like obviously I know this is coming like we all know this is coming and we've yeah. known it's been coming for almost two years now and it still just doesn't feel real like I, is that am I insane am I losing my mind you can tell me if I am May, I mean I I think other things have pointed to that in the past so <laughs> there's, there's nothing we can really do about it at this point you mean like me um, saving one Taylor Swift song because it mentions Olive Garden <laughs> <laughs> I guess great great way to wrap this conversation up but yeah the AAC it's been fun it's been real it's Let's been a good time to... thank you for the memories goodbye and <laughs> goodbye we're ending what? the podcast right now <laughs> oh well no it's a, a goodbye to the aac um yeah. it was a good time uh um hopefully we never see any of your members following us even though it was a good time i forget that um or i forgot that we had a couple other things we wanted to talk about like non-football wise that we're running kind of short on time do we want to just what do we want to do with about no this? because i want to see how many straight episodes we could not mention joe girardi and that whole thing because now it's just like out of spite at this point. And, and after after how I was treated on social media, that we're just not gonna only you, just me and no one <laughs> just else. Just you. By the way, that day, if you don't know what we're talking about, UCF tried to hire Joe Girardi for baseball and failed. And I correctly tweeted that I thought it would be a terrible idea and explained why it would be a terrible idea. And the many very intelligent UCF fans were like, "But he's a big name, and I like big names." And I got like trashed for it. And then Joe Girardi sort of partially proved my point by ditching on the job. And that day, Bailey was mad because he was also like posting his feelings about it on social media and was upset that i was getting killed and he wasn't like you were upset that i was what being bullied more i don't know i don't know if i would say upset i would just say like it it showed me my place in like ucf twitter like no one knows who i am i mean everyone who listens Which to this podcast fine. knows who you are so i think you're doing okay <laughs> that's good yeah appreciate y'all um the other thing we will mention that so yeah the baseball that whole thing happened they hired rich wallace which i think is a very good thing hire um, they should have made from the start I'm not mad yeah. at Terry Mahajer because if Danny White can try try to hire freaking Kevin Sumlin and Greg Schiano and fail, then Terry Mahajer can try to hire Joe Girardi and fail. Sometimes that's just the way it works. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really good thing. And and Rich Wallace was one of the names that I liked all along. So glad that happened. Glad we got to mention it on the podcast. Like three weeks later. Great. Yep. Great stuff from us. Um, more recently, Taylor Hendricks got drafted ninth overall by the Utah Jazz. That's another thing that feels freaking insane. And can we take a moment to appreciate that Adam Silver said UCF? Because I did not see that coming. <laughs> I didn't either. I don't know I if UCF Roger had Goodell to bribe the say... NBA or what. I don't know. Goodell might, might have still said Central Florida like as recently as the last time we had a player draft in the first round. I'm just going to say it's been so long since Goodell. Is that 2018? Said it. Yeah, 2018. It was Mike Hughes, oh, right? Man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that when I were sad, but anyway, um, no, that, it, it was really cool to see. I, I mean, I wish it wasn't to the Jazz because the Magic could have picked him, and I understand why they didn't. But I'm also just going to be mad about it anyway. Um, it, it's really cool. That's allowed. It, it was, you know, it's just crazy. And it's like I said, I posted it on Twitter that night that 
you know, both Houston and UCF had players selected before any current Big 12 team, and that's really indicative of how many basketball wins that Houston and UCF are going to combine for in the Big 12. So it's exciting time. Shout out to the people who didn't know that was a joke. Um, it's <laughs> great. Lord, man. Um, football news. Uh, we have some stuff to get through here. Uh, former UCF running back Isaiah Bowser is now with the XFL's Houston Roughnecks. Um, UCF got a couple of decommitments, three-star linebacker Sam Robinson and four-star defensive lineman Sincere Edwards. I think notably Sincere Edwards is still considering UCF. He's just kind of, yeah, I mean, he's been like, he really hasn't been committed. Like anyone who's on Twitter, like he, he's been visiting other school. Like he's not, he wasn't committed, committed, but you know, whatever. We'll see. Um, I think there's probably have a shot at him, but it's, you know, yeah. he'll, he's still listed them in his top five after he decommitted. Yep. Um, so we'll see. Um, Xavier Williams, Corey Gamage, DeCorian Patterson, Derek LeBlanc, Sean Peterson, Ryan Davis, and Isaiah Paul have all officially enrolled at UCF. They all got their graphics the other day um, as that became official. Uh, UCF did get a bit of good recruiting news with three-star Seminole defensive back Chasen Johnson. I'm saying that right. Is it Chasen? Chasen. Chasen. Chasen Johnson. That's a good name, actually. Um, I hope he's not chasing receivers, though. I I hope he keeps them in front of him. We'll see. Jason Johnson committed to UCF after decommitting from Pitt, uh, which is a cool thing. UCF is interesting. Let me say one more. Let me say one more recruiting thing really quickly is that on three has now projected both Kylan Fox and Eddie Pierre Luis, 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 I don't know, to Louis, who who cares, Um, to to UCF. Yeah, I know. That's actually really mean. I just don't know how to pronounce his name, and I apologize for not looking up in advance. Um, but they're now both projected to sign with UCF or commit to UCF, and they're both top 300 players. So that would be a very, very huge deal. So on three is either very in the know or really wants us all to hate ourselves. Only time will tell. They're both committing in July, so should be fun. July, I emoji, I emoji, I emoji. Big I'm so coming. sick of the July tweets, man. Every time I go on Twitter, <laughs> there's like every single day, there's like nine different UCF accounts, like July eyeball emoji. Guys, July is going to be a big month for UCF. It's like, we know there is you have July fire emoji, fire emoji. Fire there emoji. is no one you have not gotten the word to. We all know that July is going to be a big month. You tweeting eyeball emoji. July is not changing anyone's view. We all are aware that <laughs> July is when players commit. Hey man, they're excited about it. I'm excited about it. I'm too. so over it. I'm, I'm so over hey, it. I'm ready for all good news to stop. But it's almost July, so all of that will turn into actual stuff. Um, UCF interested in hosting the Cure Bowl at FBC Mortgage Stadium. Yep. Cool. Okay. Anyway. I mean, <laughs> nice. I hope you. Yeah. I mean, UCF. That's not. A, they don't. There's no Big Twelve tie there, so UCF can never play a home. I actually think I should have looked this up before. I actually think that the Cure Bowl was supposed to be at UCF when it was being like conceptualized back in 2015 really? and 2016, because the whole point of that bowl game being created was so that UCF would play in it every year because the AAC didn't have like set bids and it was like former UCF people who made it. And it was all like, Oh, we'll have this bowl game and UCF will play in it all the time. And then they started in 2016 UCF played in it once and then exploded and obviously would never be in that bowl game again. So, but it never made sense for it to be a camping world. I, it made more sense for Orlando city, but why not? It's cool that UCF could host a bowl game. I like it. Yeah. Would be cool. Um, former Tulane kicker, Kristen Esnard, Esnard. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I will, I will learn it. Esnard. Uh, he's committed to UCF, so another specialist for UCF specialist room. There's a lot of them. They have a lot of established, well established ones, but cool to see another player getting in there. Can't hurt that. Um, and then finally, PFF's ELO ratings, which is not Eric Lopez. For That's what I thought PFF. when I read that on the on the uh, what is this called outline right now? And I was yeah. like, wait, what? Um, no, Eric Lopez did not make come up with these ratings. Um, but shout out to Eric. UCF was ranked 43rd nationally in these ratings from Pro Football Focus and sixth in the Big 12. And there's, you know, sixth in the Big 12, I feel like isn't a huge leap, right? I think like, they that could feels sixth. 
don't know if they that will, but I think they could. Reasonable. Middle of the pack. That's cool. Like, there's been other things like ESPN's Big 12 preview where it's like, can UCF make a title run? And I'm like, no. What, I'm like, where? What's happening? Wait, Spoiler alert. They miss? can't. They can't. I'm like, what did I miss? Um, but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of um, big time hype around UCF right now. Which is... I think I don't know if it's because UCF has done a good job to prepare or if the other three have just done such a bad job to prepare. Like, I feel like it's a little bit of both because like UCF Probably. is definitely not to slander three other programs, but UCF is definitely and you never know what's going to happen means. during the season because we get stuff wrong all the time, obviously. But like that UCF is definitely really far ahead of the other three as far as roster construction and NIL even and recruiting and all that. And I think it would have been Cincinnati if Fickle hadn't left because their roster and recruiting class both kind of collapsed. But I feel like that's part of it is UCF just on paper looks so much better. And on paper is what you want to look at. And UCF <laughs> is just a little throwback. UCF just looks so much better. than the That was three. Kirk Herbstreit, like wasn't it? That was we Kirk Herbstreit. about that earlier. <laughs> leading up to game day. Yeah. It was when he was um, explaining in, during 2018 that App State was better than UCF. Because he said, well, on paper, which is what you want to look at. <laughs> yeah. Uh now we move on to your tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. We're not doing a tweet of the week this week. Every now and then I switch it up and do a something else of the week. And this week is quote of the week. <laughs> and quote of the week goes to John Rice Plumley, who for some reason was interviewed by like the USA Today Saints website. I I because he was at the Manning Pass Academy. The, and yeah, I think that's why. Is it because he's from like Mississippi and Mississippi and Louisiana are essentially the same place? Is that what that's maybe about? where was the Manning Passing Academy held though? Because it could have been in Mississippi or it could have been in Louisiana. Don't know, but anyway. I don't really uh, know. And JRP was asked in this article who he models himself after as far as like other quarterbacks. And he answered Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, and Drew Brees. So there you go. Usually like, I, I actually like respect it for a couple of reasons. Cause usually when a player says like who they model their game after, they're like, Oh man, there's this one player that I've been watching since I was six. And I really try to be Paul like George. him. And, like, like Paul George, which if you're an NBA fan, that was I go. <laughs> um, good Lord. And JRP was like, what if I just name like every significant quarterback of the last like, so I'll read his full quote. His quote was, you like to take a couple different things from every guy. I really like the way that Mahomes plays and Allen too, their ability to throw the ball. Aaron Rodgers has unbelievable arm talent, but I really grew up watching Brett Favre, Drew Brees, those guys. I I, I don't know what's going on there. I, I feel like he's just never thought about it before, which is fair. He, he may have, he, he may have been like, you know, had wide receiver answers ready. I don't know, but I uh, now to balance out the negative JRP news, we'll drop some positive JRP news, which there was also an on three article that revealed that John Rice Plumley asked to not take any NIL money from the kingdom and instead have that money put towards specifically wide receiver and O-line, which is what he asked for. And honestly, you know how we feel about John Rice Plumley. I think that um, I think that Twitter's and fans in general are starting to delude themselves a little bit and convincing themselves he's going to magically be a superstar next year. I We know what his problems are. They still exist. We know the year he had last year. But all that being said, even mid-level quarterbacks are commanding so much money these days from their collective simply because they can hop in the portal at any point because it's such a competitive position. And I am sure that helps the kingdom out a ton and UCF's roster construction a ton that he told them he didn't want any money. So that is a legitimately very, very cool thing. And goes to what we've said the whole time, which is regardless of how we feel about JRP as a player, he's obviously always been a very good guy. I think we've all known that and we've talked about that on this podcast, but I'm very curious to see how the season goes, but that definitely yeah. probably helped him a ton. There's never been a question about his character or his, him as a leader or anything like that. Even like oh. him as like the the positives, the positive sides of his game, like we've acknowledged and like there are very fun and very good and like positive aspects to what he does, but there's also some real, real questions and they're fair questions. And I know people who are, are always trying to say that we hate on JRP all the time. And I don't really know why that gets painted the way it does, but 
you know, whatever. And I we'll, think we'll that take, he'll be we'll better this year. Comes, I mean, I, I a, just because players improve and B, because I think having a real quarterbacks coach in Hinshaw is probably going to help him a ton. But I also just like you don't go from the season he just had to a superstar. And like and that's almost where I'm at is like, I think he'll be better. And I think UCF can win a lot of games with him. But like over the last few weeks, it feels like fans on social media have just kind of convinced themselves that he's just we're somehow back to like we have a new Milton thing. And I just I don't know. I I have a. I have a hard time seeing that. So I hope I'm wrong because that'd be really freaking cool. And also, unlike last year, there's no backup we can root for. Um, so he kind of just needs to be good. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. And like we've talked about it. I mean, you don't need to get into it again. Whatever. <laughs> like I was just going to talk about it. All he needs to be is like not bad. Like he needs to be like average. To he like just needs to good. not do the East Carolina game. He just needs to not yeah. turn the ball over on four straight drives. Like that's it. It's because... like he doesn't have to be amazing. Just don't turn the ball over four straight drives and sometimes throw it away. That's all I'm asking. They have talent. They'll play some bad defenses. He'll expose those bad defenses like he did last year and it'll help win UCF win some games. I just don't know that the ceiling is really, you know, some people are trying to convince themselves that he's a Heisman candidate. They're going to win 10 games. I don't see it. Hope I'm wrong, but I just don't think I'm going to be wrong. Um, but hey, we're coming up on nine weeks away from finding out a little bit more that's that's a school semester quarter whatever it was yep yes good call back to last week's episode um but hey thank you guys for listening to this week's episode thank you for um always tuning in and we want you to stay tuned for saturday's episode about the official move to the big 12 a special saturday edition this was oh i almost just said the dumbest thing i was gonna say it's our first saturday episode we just have done so many saturday episodes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on our post game podcasts, but hey, we'll have another one. First time, maybe we've done one on the off season. Though, let's say that. Oh, without a doubt, um, absolutely. But yeah, keep those five star reviews coming. Keep asking us questions. We'll start off every podcast answering one of them. Um, but until Saturday, you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams twenty two at by C A Simmons and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.